Welcome to the Ridge Weekly Podcast. Relationships are so important, and yet they can be so difficult. The pandemic, social media, and a divided country have not helped. How do we develop new relationships or strengthen the ones that we have? How do we repair ones that seem to be broken? Listen to this week's talk from the series Through Thick and Thin as we explore ways to develop the kinds of friendships that will enrich our lives. Well, good morning. If you're new with us today, my name's Josh Rhodes. I'm the pastor of ministries here at The Ridge. Uh, If you're listening to the podcast or maybe just watching the message on demand, you didn't get to see JJ and Kenley's baptism, which just took place. So congratulations to JJ, to Kenley. Their brother, Kenny, got baptized a few months ago. So congrats, Pam, Joe, the family. We love you guys. That uh, That was absolutely incredible to get to see. Okay, today we're starting a brand new series about friendship, and we're calling it Through Thick and Thin. And I imagine you have heard that expression, used that expression before, and um, as I've looked into it a little bit, I didn't realize this, but it's a really old expression, could go as far back as the 1300s in England when it was vastly covered with forested area, and they would say, through the thicket and through the thin wood. And that phrase became to be used as as talking about going through the thicket or through the thick, which is the hard times, the difficult times, but then also going through the thin wood or through the thin times, which are the easier times, the lighter times. And over the next several weeks, as we talk about through thick and thin friendships, we want to first lay a biblical foundation for why this matters. And I I think all of us intuitively know it matters, but I think sometimes we need to be reminded of things that we already know. So that's what we're going to talk about today. And then we're going to take a few weeks to talk about really how to start and strengthen and build friendships. And then we also want to take a few weeks to acknowledge that sometimes friendships are tricky. I, I know there's times where I've let friends down. I've often said I feel like I have better friends than I am friends to them. And we just want to talk about some of the challenges that come with friendships, how we can look to God's word to get some help in those areas. So whether you're younger, I see some kiddos out here, elementary, middle, high, college, young adult, or even into your adulthood, I really believe that this series is going to help all of us uh, develop through thick thick and thin friends but also to be those kinds of friends as well. About two and a half years ago, a new friend entered my life. And I feel very fortunate that we have been able to spend a lot of time together. And I've mentioned before that we have woods out behind our house and me and this friend will sometimes go out in the woods for an hour, maybe two, and just get lost out there. We don't really say much, um, just really enjoy being together out in God's creation. Something I appreciate about this friend is every time they see me, it's like the first time they saw me. Just the, the warmth, the excitement. Honestly, I wish every friend would greet me like that. It just makes me feel really good. And, and like a lot of friends, sometimes they get into trouble, sometimes they make you know, make some messes and you got to help them out, but that's what friends are for, right? Uh, This is actually a picture of me and my friend. This is Cupcake, our lab. And I know why they call dogs man's best friend. Now, some of you are like, is this a series about being friends with animals? Because I'm hooked. I'm not going to miss a single week. This is great. 
Spoiler alert, this isn't about our four-legged friends. This is actually about people, being friends with people. And the reality is, it's a little trickier. You know, the love and the faithfulness and the loyalty that we receive from our pets, it's like, is that possible to get from people as well? You know, as I was thinking about this message and just considering some of the challenges that we face in, I would say, our modern times of friendship, The first that came to mind is just how busy and tired we are. A lot of us have a lot going on, and maybe we don't have time for friends like we wish we could. And when we finally get a little window of free time, we're too tired. It's like, do I have to get dressed again and go somewhere? Then forget it. But I think we're tired and we're busy. I think social media is also impacting friendships. And I'm just about 40, so I'm like the Facebook guy. I don't have the other things. And I think a lot of good can come from social media, but as I look at my friend list, I wonder how many of those friends am I actually friends with? How many of those friends do I actually spend time with and prioritize? How much time do I spend on social media that I could be spending in real life with a real friend? And how do we handle when people post things that we disagree with? I mean, we, we can literally snooze people We can delete people. We can block people. Instead of going to someone and saying, hey, you you shared that, you posted that, help me understand where you're coming from, we just dispose of people. I think related to social media are our phones. And again, I enjoy technology, I use technology, but I think it's ironic that we call them phones, which is short for telephone. But isn't it interesting how when someone calls you, you immediately think something's wrong? Like, why aren't they just texting me? This is, why would you call me? This is weird. You know, this is just how how we operate. I'm reading a book by a guy named John Eldritch right now, and he said he had this really important announcement to share. And he wanted to kind of get it out all at once, so he carefully selected a number of people from his contact list to share this really important announcement. And he said on the other side of that, all he received were likes, hearts, thumbs up emojis. And in his book, he's like, we can't even respond to texts with a text. It's just a thumbs up. I mean, this is sort of where we are. You know, as a result of these challenges and and other ones, maybe you're new to the area and you're starting over with making friends. Maybe you'd consider yourself honestly like me, to be a little more extroverted or introverted than extroverted. Maybe you've been hurt by people, or maybe you're just experiencing some lingering effects of the pandemic and how that sort of messed with our relationships. I think the result is that all of us maybe have a tendency to pull back or to coast in certain friendships or just keep people at an arm's length. You know, and right now I'm in a very good season with friends, and I'm thankful for that, but I can reflect on many seasons where I was there, where I was isolating, and I was keeping people back, and and honestly, it didn't leave me stronger, it left me weaker. And I don't know about your experience, maybe in the past or right now, if you don't have friends who are close with you, do you feel more fully alive? Do you feel more joyful? Do, Do you feel more supported, or do you feel lonely? Do you feel down? Do you feel isolated? The truth, plain and simple, that we're going to wrestle with today is this, is that friendship matters. It just matters. Friendship matters. And I'm talking about life on life through thick and thin, old school 
friendship matters. We're going to look to God's word today and we're going to talk about three reasons from God's word why, why I believe friendship matters and the difference that it can make in our life. So the first reason why I think friendship matters is, is because God designed it. This is something that God himself designed for us. In Genesis chapter one, we read the culmination, the crown jewel of his creation. And it says this in 26 and seven. It says, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. They will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, all the earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. I'd like for you to notice the plural language in this passage. And we've pointed this out before. Let us make man in our image. And we believe that this reinforces the fact that God is a trinity, three in one. God the Father, the creator. Jesus Christ, our savior. The Holy Spirit, our helper, our helper and comforter. God, three in one, in perfect community, created people in his image, in his likeness. And an integral aspect of being made in God's image is that we have the capacity and we have the need for relationships with him and with other people. We see this clearly in Genesis 2, which provides even greater clarity. It sort of zooms in on that sixth day of creation and it says this in 15 to 18, the Lord God took the man and placed him in the Garden of Eden to work it and watch over it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree of the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for on the day you eat from it, you'll surely die. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper as his complement. And over and over again in Genesis 1 and 2, we see as God reflects on what he's creating, the stars and the sky and the animals and all of it, he says, this is good, this is good, this is good. This is the only thing in the created order that God said it is not good for the man to be alone. So the passage continues to say that God miraculously took one of Adam's ribs and he formed Eve, the first woman, and they became one flesh. And rightly so, we look to this passage as the foundation for life. We look to this passage as the foundation for family and for marriage. Jesus himself affirmed it in Mark chapter 10. But it's also important for us to recognize that this points to something even greater. It points to the fact of what God said. It's not good for us to be alone. We need each other. A really helpful website I like to use, gotquestions.org, puts it this way. The image of God refers to the immaterial part of humanity. It sets human beings apart from the animal world, fits them for the dominion God intended them to have over the earth, and enables them to commune with their maker. It is a likeness mentally, morally, and socially. Socially, humanity was created for fellowship. This reflects God's triune nature in his love. In Eden, humanity's primary relationship was with God, and God made the first woman because it's not good for the man to be alone. Now catch this, because this applies to all of us, regardless of relationship status, life stage. 
Every time someone marries, makes a friend, hugs a child, attends church, he or she is demonstrating the fact that we are made in the likeness of God. God designed us to be in relationship with him, with our families, and with friends. When I think about God's design, I think a lot about, you know, whether it's our phone and how it's designed. I think about cars and how they were designed. If you just take a car as an example, that car was carefully designed. It wasn't just thrown together haphazardly. It was carefully designed to need certain things to function well. Gasoline or electricity, if that's where you're going. Eventually, I suppose we'll eventually all be there. Brake fluid, engine coolant, and of course, oil, right? Now, don't judge me too harshly, but I am not a car guy. I don't take care of cars well. This is one of my greatest weaknesses in life. Some of you are meticulous, like 3001. We got to go get the oil changed. But in college, I bought a beater Chevy Corsica. I think this thing probably had 175,000 miles on it when I bought it. And the guy was like, look, I should probably let you know that this has a slow oil leak that I haven't been able to find. And I'm like, that's, that's fine, that's no problem. And he said, what you're going to want to do is about every two weeks, you're going to need to put a quart of oil to keep that thing running. So first two weeks, come and go, check, check the dipstick. Sure enough, this thing's bone dry. Add a quart of oil. About two weeks later, check the dipstick, bone dry. Add another quart of oil. You probably know where this story's going. I eventually got tired of it. So I'd let it go three weeks, add a little, four weeks, add a little. Eventually, I'm like, I'm just going to roll the dice and see how long this thing will go. Driving down the road, boom, engine blows, there it goes. That engine, that car, was designed with a need for oil. And I made the choice. It was my choice to run it without oil, but it eventually blew And I think we have to consider the fact that our lives are like that. If we believe, fundamentally, if we believe that God designed us and that he is our maker, he is our creator, he is our designer, then he built in things that we need, the obvious ones. We need sleep. We need food. We need water. Most of us don't reject those things on a daily basis to say, I know I was designed for sleep, but I'm not going to get it. I know I was designed for water, but I'm not going to drink it. We receive those things because we realize we need those things to run well, but God also designed us for deeper things like purpose, like love, like friendships. And this truth is found all throughout the pages of the Bible. One of my favorites is from Ecclesiastes, just a a great passage that really shows us God's design, what life looks like with it, and what life could look like if you don't have good friends. Chapter four, verses nine to 12 says this, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their efforts. But if either falls, his companion can lift him up, but pity the one who falls without another to lift him up. Also, If two lie down, they can keep warm, but how can one person alone be kept warm? And if someone overpowers one person, two can resist him. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. I love that passage, and one of the words that just jumps off the page is companion. And the Hebrew behind that that word companion can be translated as associate, as partner, as to be united with, and of course, friend. 
God's design is for us to have friends for the thin times, the easy times, the good times. But he's also designed us to need those friends when life gets tough. About a month ago, um, my son Pierce was on a swing and fell backwards about four feet off the ground, landed on the back of his head. And after he was evaluated, we learned that he had a concussion. And by God's grace, he's fully recovered. We're grateful for that. But the doctor recommended that he stay home for two, three, four days from school. On one of those days, my wife Hillary needed to be somewhere, I needed to be somewhere, and we didn't want to drag Pierce out of the house. And we don't have family nearby. A lot of you can relate to that. You know, grandma's not a call away for us. So we reached out to one of our friends, uh, Bob. He and his wife Emily are part of the church. They live just down the road from us. So I called Bob and I said, hey, is there any way you can come over? He dropped what he was doing, came right over, and I was able to go take care of what I needed to take care of. Now, the best part was, is when I got home a few hours later, I found them at the kitchen table playing, of all things, chess. Had it all laid out. Now, the bad part of the story is he taught Pierce a couple of new moves that I'm not aware of, and now he's using them against me to beat his dad. But it was this beautiful moment of how he, as a friend, helped us in a time of need, enriching my son's life. Bob and Emily, for us, have become Ecclesiastes 4 kind of friends. Our companions, our associates, we're united with them, and they make our family's cord stronger. You know, God said it's not good for us to be alone, and our modern culture deeply values individualism. I'm going to make it on my own. I'm going to tough it out. I'm going to figure it out. And personal responsibility is important, but that's not how we were designed to do it completely alone. Friendship matters, and the Bible's clear about it. The second reason why I think friendship matters is Jesus demonstrated it. If we ever want to know what should the human life experience be like, we can look at Jesus, fully God, fully man, united in one perfect life, and he lived this earth perfectly for 33 years. And Jesus embraced this design. You know, Jesus had a lot of friends. If you think about Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus, he raised him from the dead. He was great friends with them. And then, of course, he was great friends with the 12 disciples who he brought into his life. And they're listed in Matthew chapter 10. You know who they are. It says, summoning his 12 disciples, he gave them authority over unclean spirits to drive them out and heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, who's called Peter, Andrew, his brother. James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. Jesus chooses this ragtag group of mostly uneducated fishermen to be his followers and his friends. And I was reading in my study Bible this week, and it pointed out the fact that there's really not many other details in this passage it's really just their names, a little bit of family information, but that's it. There's really no other impressive details because the reality is there weren't any. I mean, these were ordinary folks, and I think there's a lesson there. A lot of times we want to be friends with people who are powerful or popular, who can do something for us, and Jesus chose ordinary people. Now, in terms of demonstrating friendship, at a theological level, I think it's important to elaborate on the comments 
I made about Genesis chapter one in the Trinity. You see, Jesus, God the Father, God the Son, Jesus and the Holy Spirit from eternity past have existed in perfect community, perfect loving relationship with one another. That is what Jesus has always known. So it would make sense then as he comes to earth and be born of a man that he would simply continue to do what he knew to do and that was to live his life with others. Now another aspect of friendship I think Jesus demonstrated to us is that sometimes among your friends you have deeper friends within those friends. And of the 12, as many of you know, he chose Peter, James, and John to be his inner circle. And we don't know exactly why, but those three were closer to Jesus than the others. And when you think about a, a good friend in your life who's there for you in the high and the low, the thick and the thin, that's what these three were to Jesus. If you think about the transfiguration, if you're not familiar with that, it was this amazing experience that Jesus had going up onto a mountain. And it says his appearance became like dazzling white and the voice of God the Father spoke into creation. Peter, James, and John were there for that moment. I mean, you talk about the mountaintop experience being there with a friend. They were there for Jesus. And then the night before he went to the cross, he chose Peter, James, and John to come with him to the Garden of Gethsemane as he prayed in anguish for God to have another way to solve the sin problem. They were there. Now, interesting still, of the three, it seems like Jesus had an even closer relationship with one. And while you're not gonna find the phrase best friend in the Bible, I think you can make a case that Jesus had a best friend. John chapter 13, 23 says, one of his disciples, the one Jesus loved, was reclining close beside Jesus. And though John is not explicitly named, most Bible scholars unanimously agree that it was the apostle John who, who was Jesus' beloved, who was the one of the 12 and of the three that he chose to be closer with still. And what's interesting if you look in the New Testament of the 27 books, five are attributed to John, the Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and then the Apocalypse, the Revelation. And there's many themes within those books, but if you put them all together, there's one theme that is just dominant out of all of them, and that is the theme of love. John 3.16, 1st John 3.16, these books drip with God's love for us, Jesus' love for us, the importance of us loving one another. And you've got to wonder why. Why are these books dripping with love? Well, I would argue that it's because that was John's experience. He got to experience the depth and the breadth of Jesus' love in the flesh. And he wanted to share that with us. You know, if there was anyone who could have made it through life without friends. It would have been Jesus. I mean, fully God, fully man. He could have done it, but he knew what his life would require. He knew that the cross would come and he chose to not try to go at it alone. So friendship matters. God designed it. Jesus demonstrated it. He, he put it on display what this looks like. But not only that, Jesus died for it. Relationships meant so much to him that he was willing to lay down his life for it. One of the common criticisms that Jesus had from the religious leaders 
was that he was a friend of sinners. In Luke chapter five, it says this, then Levi hosted a grand banquet for him at his house. Now there was a large crowd of tax collectors and the others who were guests with them, but the, but the Pharisees and their scribes were complaining to his disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus replied to them, the healthy don't need a doctor, but the sick do. I have, come to call the right, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And we already read the list of Jesus' followers, and Levi, also known as Matthew, was chosen as a tax collector. It was a very interesting choice. He would have been hated as a cheat, as a crook. And after he experienced the love and friendship of Jesus, he throws this party and he invites the other outcasts, the other sinners, the other people who were left out. And the religious leaders were trying to criticize Jesus by saying, you are a friend of sinners. To which Jesus would have been thinking, yes, that's the point. <laughs> that's why I came to seek and to save the people who know they need help. You know, a song that we sing often here at the Ridge is, is a song called Graves into Gardens, and it captures this so well. It says, I'm not afraid to show you my weakness, my failures and flaws, Lord, you see them all, and you still call me friend. This is really good news for all of us. It's really good news for me. I'm a sinner. I mean, if you need to talk to my wife or my kids or my neighbors or my friends, I mean, you'll quickly find out I'm not perfect. I am flawed, I am fallen, I am broken. But Jesus wants to be my friend. Jesus wants to be your friend. And this is why he came to lay his life down for sinners. One of the most powerful passages, I think, in Scripture is John chapter 15. And this was after the, the last Passover meal, so this would have been the night before Jesus went to the cross. And mind you, of these 12 that he poured his life into and the three and the one, I mean, these were basically his last words to them on earth. And this is what he said, as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have spoken these things to you so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. This is my command. Love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, than someone who lays down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I've commanded you. I do not call you slaves anymore because a slave doesn't know what his master is doing. I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything I have heard from my father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you that you would go out and produce fruit and that fruit would remain so that whatever you ask the father in my name, he will give you. This is what I command you, love one another. I mean, we think about a friend who's there for us. They, they listen, they show up, they help. But Jesus is describing a friendship at a whole nother level. He's saying, I'm gonna demonstrate my friendship to you. I'm gonna demonstrate my love for you by going to the cross and dying for you. That's what he did. And what's so amazing about his death is it restores that relationship with God it gives us peace within our own heart and it makes it possible to have relationship and friendship with others. And we talk about the Holy Spirit, how we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit who produces in us things like love, 
which is what Jesus said, this is what I command you, love one another. You see, without a right relationship with God, we can't have right relationships with others because we can't love well without his love. Friendship matters. It matters so much. God designed us for it, Jesus demonstrated it, and he died for it. I wanna give you a couple of things to think about today by way of application. The first is this, do you know Jesus as a friend? There's an old old song that we would sing in my dad's Baptist church, what a friend we have in Jesus. And maybe you're with us today, you're watching online and you would say, Josh, he can't be my friend. He wouldn't wanna be a friend with me. Do you know what I've done? Do you know where I've been? Do you know how fall short I am? I've fallen? Well, if that's you, good news because Jesus was called a friend of sinners. He wants to be your friend, he wants to have a relationship with you and we believe it's as simple as this, that you would recognize your sin, your need for a savior, that you would believe that Jesus is who he says he was, that he died on the cross for your place, he rose again and you put your trust in that and your relationship with God is restored and your relationship with others can be restored as well. A second practical application would be just begin building friendships through the church. You can join a team, you can join a group. We try to make it as easy as possible for you to develop these life-giving friendships through the church. I would encourage you to do that. And the third is a little bit of a different application. But I want to invite all of us at the outset of this series about friendship to take some time to pray this week about friendship. You know, because of Jesus and we have a restored relationship with God, we can talk to him. And maybe you haven't prayed before, or maybe you haven't prayed in a long time, but it doesn't require any special words. It just requires that you speak your heart to your God. And I would say as you consider this message, maybe for some of you, you just need to say, God, I just want to give you praise for how you've designed us. I acknowledge that you are the creator, you are the designer, and I give you praise for that. Maybe some of you here today, this week, we just wanna give God thanks for a friend in your life. Maybe a childhood friend, maybe a college friend, maybe a neighbor who's a friend, to just say, God, I wanna thank you for placing this friend in my life. I think that'd be a great prayer. But I know there's a number of you that your prayers probably are gonna go deeper still to maybe say, God, would you please let me trust people again? God, you know how lonely I am and you know I try, but it just doesn't seem to work for me. Will you help me make a friend? I wanna encourage all of us in this room and online, set aside some time today or this week and go to God with a heart of prayer about friendship. And whatever you are hearing from him, I wanna encourage you to move on. Let me close with this. Um, Here in Morgantown, if you're from the area, we've been blessed with some amazing weather this week. And most nights when it's beautiful out, we'll put on a campfire and see who moseys over. And last night was no exception. So we put on a a campfire, got some s'more stuff. And my neighbor Mike and his boys walked over. And I took my kids fishing this week. He took his kids fishing this week. So we were showing some pictures and catching up. And I really appreciate Mike and I really appreciate his friendship to me. But what really touched my heart It was my children and my my foster daughter who's with us and his sons 
they are just running free through the backyard. Jumping on the trampoline, swinging, wrestling, tackling, all the things kids do. But they are free and they are alive and they have smiles ear to ear. And I just sat there and I, I, I literally, as the sun's going down, in my heart just saying, God, thank you. Thank you. This isn't just people hanging out. This is of you, God. This is how you've designed us. This is how you created us. And not only am I enjoying this right now, but you're giving this gift to my children. And God, I thank you so much. Friendship matters. Friendship matters. God designed it. Jesus showed us what it looked like. He died for it. So as we work through this series, let's lean in. Let's develop through thick and, friend, thick and thin friendships and let's be those kind of friends as well. Let's pray. God, we do recognize that you are our creator. And though there's times where we resist or there's times where we don't open ourselves up to friendship, God, we, we don't want to acknowledge that you really did design us with this need. We ask for your help. We thank you that Jesus is a friend of sinners and he invites us into friendship with him. We thank you that he showed us the way. So God, wherever we are on this friendship journey right now, whether we have great friends, whether we're doing okay, whether we're struggling, we just ask that you would help us. We love you. We thank you for all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Ridge Weekly Podcast. If you'd like to hear more messages now, you can check out our past series at theridge.church slash messages or download the free Ridge app. Thanks again for listening and we will see you next time.